before we get to the show, I want to talk to you about Race Tech. They have uh, suspension services and motor services for anything, any type of bike, and, and whether it's a dirt bike, a flat tracker, a vintage bike, a street bike, whatever it is, racetech.com will dial you in. Get your suspension service, why don't you? It's November as I do this podcast, so that means many of you people in the northern states aren't riding anymore. So take that suspension off, send it to Racetech, get new bushings, get new seals, get new oil. Your stuff will be like riding on pillows after that, bro. And the best part is Pulp 21 is a code to save. So if you tell them you uh, listen to Pulp, they will save you some money. They do motor work as well, and they've helped out tons of the top privateers in the sport over the years. Jerry Robin, Chris Blows, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you, Racetech, for all that they've done for us. And use the code Pulp21 to save. Racetech.com. A Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show, presented by Maxis Tires, Renthal, Motorsport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,700 podcasts delivered with over 17 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast with Pauly C, New York's finest. Thanks for listening, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for the support. For all the sponsors and the show itself over the years. Really, really great of you people to do that. Hey, don't forget, check out the archives, man. Uh, there's Steve Mathis Show, Archives 1, 2, and 3. Tons of great stuff in there. Stories that uh, maybe you haven't heard or people you haven't heard, guests you haven't heard. Search Steve Mathis on your podcast app and you'll see all the different shows that we have. I get these requests from people that are like, Hey, man, have you ever done a podcast with... Uh, and I'll be like, yeah, man, is right on the archive. So please uh, check it out. And uh, there's some really, really great ones in there. Trampus Parker is amazing. Dave Arnold is amazing. RJ Glover, Jeremy Fro. Fro's a two-parter. So please check their archives out and uh, do me a favor, right? So please uh, uh, support the show. Thanks to Fly Racing, flyracing.com. JB, Justin Brayton, uh, going to be wearing Fly Racing next year, as well as the whole uh, RM ATV MC team over there. So Savachi and McElrath and... Uh, Anstey, that's it. That's the other guy. Uh, FlyRacing.com. They got the Formula Helmet. They have different shells in the helmet, so different prices. But same great features, same great safety features, all of that. So if the the top-of-the-line formula is a little too pricey for you, and I get it, check out the other formulas they've released, including the CP and others. Uh, Formula Helmet, amazing helmet, and uh, really great stuff, really great gear as well. So FlyRacing.com. Thanks to the folks at Maxxis Tires, whether it's uh, mountain bike tires, whether it's a... um, a uh, UTV, a dirt bike, light truck, trailer, uh, Maxis.com for all your tire, tire needs. Thank you to, to Chris and everybody over at Maxis for making things happen for us. Jeremy McGrath developed the MXSTs and the uh, SGB Maxis Honda team runs them in soupy and outdoors. 
So please check that out, Maxis.com. Thanks to Renthal as well. Uh, they have you covered. They have sprockets. You know that. All sorts of teeth and all sorts of colors. They have chains. You know that. They got 7 eighths bar. They got the twin wall bar. They got the fat bar. They got the fat bar 36. Yeah. Renthal.com for more information on that. The trusted brand in the pits. They have more championships than all their brother brands combined. When you look at Honda, you look at Kawasaki, they've always used Renthal, right? So you know it's good. And I guarantee you 98.7% of people listening to this that have ridden a dirt bike or owned a dirt bike probably used a Renthal product in their time. That says something, man. Renthal.com. Thanks to Cobalinks and Motorsport.com. We'll talk about them later. And uh, here's Paul Carpenter, everybody. And now on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, uh, a guy I've been trying to get on for a while now, and I'm stoked to finally catch up to him and see what's going on. He's a former factory Kawasaki rider, among others, Husqvarna, of course, White Brothers four-stroke champion, Canadian national champion, Polly Carpenter. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing great, Steve. I've been been doing well, just doing excavation up here in New York, and uh, that's about it, really. Yeah, yeah. You kind of, you've been back there for a while. I know... Someone told me a long time ago, and I don't know if you're doing the same job, but you've got a great job, whatever that is, uh, and, uh, and you're doing well. Yeah, I actually, I'm, uh, um, I actually own my own company. I've had it for 12 years now, and uh, it's called B27 Earthworks, mm-hmm. and no number relation to motorcycles. It was actually the first machine I bought. <laughs> but, um, but anyways, I was going to kind of do it on the side. I, w- I was working for the municipality, for the town, and I okay. was plowing roads and doing all that stuff, and then uh, decided to go out on my own because my family's always been in excavation, and my dad was really pushing me to go out and do that. So I did, and 12 years later, now I got quite a little business i'm running a fleet of probably close to 10 machines and and trucks and whatnot and uh just uh just been doing all different phases of it nice that's that's nice to hear so yeah you've been successful in in the post motocross life um how you've been riding do you ride at all did you get on a bike much I haven't. I, I still have a my original uh, KTM 520 from when I rode for Dowdy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so wow. It's the only but it's the only bike I've got. About yep. every couple of years, I'll fire it up just to make sure it runs. But um, I actually have a XR 100 and that, and then my son. I have a seven year old boy now and a five, and a six year old daughter, uh-huh. eighteen months apart. And my son rides a little bit. I got him a PW 50, but now he's outgrowing that. And mm-hmm. uh, but we didn't we we haven't done a lot of that. We've been yeah. doing other things. You uh, so you don't really miss it that much. Like you kind of, I, I know, I felt like you walked. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you kind of had some years left, probably right. But when you when you quit, like you kind of, you probably could have hung on a little bit while longer. I totally feel like that. Yeah, yeah, it was just it was a weird transition. It was uh, it was actually '09, and I had rode for uh, Cernix with mm-hmm. Billy Whitley there. And their team just, it, yeah, well, for whatever reason, that thing didn't come together for for 2010. And, um, you know, I was I was feeling out different options and looking at different things. And at the same time, I was kind of not wanting to do it if I wasn't going to make any money. Right. And uh, so it was one of those decisions where I just said, you know what, I just got to move on right now and go forward. And and uh, it was it was tough. I'm not going to lie to you. The first couple of years wasn't I wasn't exactly just wanting to walk away, but yep. I also couldn't go ride at a local track and just go have fun because I was still too competitive. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of it. Right. Like, but you're smart enough to know, like, look, man, 
I'm not doing this for free. It's dangerous. And I, you know, like I need to get paid. And if I can't, I guess it's on with my life. Like some guys don't really know that, you know, some guys just keep doing it and you're like, what are you doing? You know, I I don't know. Exactly. You know, that's, that's where I was. I didn't want to be that guy. I wanted to try to go out and be competitive still. And I felt like, I don't know. I I felt like I was just really starting to get myself where I wanted to be in supercross, I Mm -hmm. guess, more meaning that I was starting to put more consistent results in and I felt more comfortable at supercross than I did actually at outdoors. So I started really wanting to do that more, you know, and, um, it just, just, it just didn't work out that year. It was in, you know, I felt like I was riding my best. I had some of my best results those last couple of years in supercross, but the, the, the way that was, you know, the way that everything was, I yeah. just didn't get that deal that worked out. You know what I mean? No, it kind of, the economy kind of crashed right around nine, 10, 11, you know, salaries yep. went down, rides went up, uh, rides disappeared. So yeah, it was kind of a, kind of a weird time in the industry too, a little bit, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and so yeah, no Loretta Lynn's comebacks for you or anything like you've totally walked away. It sounds like <laughs> that's it. I, I have, man. Yeah. I, I, I really do. It took me, it took me three years to turn the TV on to watch a dirt bike. Really? Huh? Just couldn't do it. (laughs) No, I was not. I wasn't that guy. I was like, no, I can't do it. And now, you know, now I'm, now I watch it. I follow it a little bit. I'll, I'll look at the website and see, I got to admit, I didn't catch any outdoors this year. I didn't even see one of them. So that was a, that was first time I haven't seen any. But, um, yeah, I just – work is busy that time of year, and I kind of – with kids and, and being married. Yeah. And my, my wife just recently started her own business. We got her – she's got a salon going. We built a big building for it. And we've just been – we've been, I guess, going forward. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, listen, that's cool. I mean, yeah, you know, some guys – can't get enough of it, can't stay out of it, get jobs in the industry, and other guys are like you. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know? Um, how's your brother Jack doing, by the way? He's doing good. Yeah. He he actually is now working at the municipalities. Oh, he's okay. working for, <laughs> for a local town, and he's, he, you know, he spent years at uh, the college, working at the college, doing like, a, I guess they call it grounds crew, but all sorts of different uh-huh. things there. And now he's a, he's an operator at the county, and he himself has two kids, and and uh, wife and all that, and he's doing great, man. He still rides, so he he showed up at Unadilla, from what I understand this year. Yeah, I I remember hearing something about that. Yeah, Jack Carpenter was back. <laughs> yeah, no, he wishes the two strokes would come back. But... <laughs> uh, I bet you. Uh, how's your how's your body like injury wise after all these years? Did you did you have anything that still bugs you, or, or how you feeling health wise? No, not really. No, I feel pretty good. I mean, I busted up, you know, both my wrists and every now and then, you know what I find a little bit, they fall asleep on me easy. But um, other than that, the uh, my wrists and ankles and everything that I've had pinned and, and all that's all seems pretty good so far. And, uh, you know, my, I guess one of the worst injuries I had would be broken ribs. And that was the one I remember. Yeah. Yeah, really. Right. Um, well, you had a really nice pro career, some really good results, uh, good Loretta Lynn's results as well. You won a title. All of that uh, against some pretty good guys. Coming into Prozo, I remember you. You were kind of a full privateer until Husky picked you up, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yep. Just couldn't get a ride, or like, like, I, like, did you have much of a hint of anything, or was it like, hey, no, I just, yeah. no? I think it was just that I wasn't, I wasn't the the superstar on the mini, and yeah. I didn't have that backing, and I, and you know. Um, I didn't, things just, uh, I guess I, I didn't really ever catch that one break. The one time that I was getting ready to catch a break was, uh, do you remember the team Takati? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So they, so they, they had me just set me up to go down to Mexico and it was going to be like a, a trial for their team for the following year. We were going to go down and race some races down there. And I uh, actually like two days before I was supposed to fly out and I was 16, 17, I can't remember exactly, but I got chicken pox and couldn't go. Oh. And I never got to go back with that team, never got another chance. So then I went from, from there to privateer and, and on to Husqvarna, which was with uh, Araldo Ferracci. So yeah, you were a Cowie amateur, right? And Cowie privateer when you started. So yeah, that all makes sense. Oh. Yep, yep, yep. Cowie just Cowie actually supported. I can't remember the exact year. I think it was '97. I got uh-huh. some support. No, no, it was '96. It was my first year with Cowie, and uh, they gave me a little bit of support, gave me some deals on bikes, and got yeah. me started, which was which was nice because we were. My dad was working full time at that time. We were just dumping every dollar he made into this, into this, you know, getting around and doing sure. all that. And I remember just having the beatest bike, man. People, I'd show up and they would laugh. They'd say, "What, ha- what happened to your seat, man? The rats get at it because my knee braces would yeah, just yeah. eat the seats alive." And, uh, yeah, so we just—that's what we did. So this is you as a kid cutting your teeth against like Ty Wallace and Karsten and all those East Coast guys, right? Yeah, they were yeah. actually a lot older. A lot. Yeah. They were they were already established, right? Right. They were always out there and Bar- man barry gave me some wicked 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 battles and, and tie as well right we used to if we used to put on some good shows up here like hurricane hills and some of these northeast yeah. places we, we you know had good races so then mills is a little behind you right a yeah ahead. but we yeah we were buddies yeah were you yeah, okay we were yeah. Buddies yeah. With mills, yeah and uh yeah i miss that guy actually i wonder how he's doing i haven't talked to him in a long long time yeah i don't know i think he's not 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 doing well or i, I don't know actually i heard, maybe i did hear something different um what about nicoletti my buddy phil i see him I used to see him at walden here yep. there everywhere he was younger he was definitely yeah, younger, younger. Than he was more jack's age yeah and uh yeah he was i never had any he was always on a mini he never really got to where we were racing each other right until right. you know pros and yeah. then but he was he was always on the younger side he was 250 when i was 450 yeah got it got it so how do you get this husky ride how does that work uh how does Araldo get a hold of you because this is the first year for the team right yes yeah. it, uh alessio chioti was coming over from italy yeah and i don't know how Araldo got a hold of me. I'm assuming somebody, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what happened, but I ended up going to down to Philly where he was Willow Grove, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And, uh, he just said, Hey man, pack your bags. We're going to Italy for a month. I said, Oh, okay. Well, you know, I was excited and yeah. we went over there and we raced some races and, uh, we actually went to, I can't remember what the team was called back then, but, uh, we went to that team headquarters over there and they really were, they were top notch. They were they were on their game back then over in Europe. Oh, they uh, were, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a, it was a good deal. I, I got I got no regrets with any of that. That was a that was a good deal. And in Geraldo, he really tried really hard to get it going. And he went through. Uh, I guess he was you know coming from his road racing background mm-hmm. where he kind of had the world wrapped up. He went through some up and ups and downs trying to figure everything out. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, my buddy JT obviously rode from the next year after you. And then Travis Preston rode the next year, I think, after you. Uh, it was you, Varaka. Uh, was it uh, Skaggs? Well, who am I missing? Well, no, I had – so one year I had Skaggs. I can't remember how – oh, Skaggs came on half halfway through. Halfway, because okay. Chi- yeah. That's right, because Chiodi got hurt or something. It was me – originally it was me – and uh and uh, chioti yeah lesio chioti and i don't i don't think i had a team it was just oh, okay. the two of us at the yeah. time and then skaggs came on and then somebody else came on too i i, 
I don't know, man. I hit my head too many times. I can't remember. <laughs> um, now, the bikes, like, over there, like, Chiodi's bike was way legit and way good, and he's a three-time world champion and all that. And then I don't know what they were doing over there, but I've heard the bikes were quite different over here. Did you get a chance to ride a European bike and then the American bike? I did. Yeah. And? I did. And, <laughs> and yes, uh, I, I felt the same way. Right. Um, I felt like I kind of, well, and, and you know, AM Leonard was around the KTM yep. team. Yeah. And I had actually had an offer to go ride for AM Leonard. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, I kind of, uh, you know, things how do i say it 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 was it was a tough choice for me but when when i went to europe and rode the bike the husqvarna i was sold i was like man this thing's awesome and ktm really hadn't been proven then that was like joel off and a few other you know uh chris wheeler chris wheeler joel off those guys were there and um you know i went with the husky and i think we like i said araldo really did he tried really hard and we i think we just went through some engine difficulties and yeah. different things that might have you know that hindered hindered our first year but in all in all they did it you know they did him and his son larry they did a good job of you know trying to fix things yeah. as fast as they could you know what i mean yeah they they paid well right you probably made good money it was always on time you know what i mean that kind of stuff was all handled professionally oh yeah, yeah. absolutely there was never an issue there they were good people so, how many yeah. different ladies did you see Araldo have at the bar on a friday night <laughs> was it like 12 nationals 12 chicks <laughs> no but i will i will tell you that when you went to italy Geraldo was like dude he he had that place wrapped <laughs> he was the guy yeah he was the guy we would walk in and it didn't matter where you went they knew who he was yeah yeah <laughs> how was uh how was coyote was he cool yeah no yeah. he was a great dude he was actually really down to earth was very yep. uh I, he was pretty reserved he was he was more uh 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 private you know what i mean yeah yeah he did his own he, thing. I remember he was like world champion at the time or, you know, yeah. whatever it was. And he had this little itty bitty camper pulled in with a van, stayed in the camper, him and his wife or girlfriend at the time, whatever. And yeah. he was, uh, he was real reserved. He was a good dude. Uh, you got eighth at Joliet. That was your best finish. 19th at Broome, um, a best finish. And, and you probably were wishing your bike uh, handled a little better and was a little faster, I imagine. But Yeah, well, you know. we, we, yeah, I think what hurt me the, the biggest that year the most was having uh, mechanical failures, which we had. Um, you know, sometimes that bike would absolutely fly, but it, we just couldn't get, we weren't, we weren't finishing every race. That was our biggest problem. We weren't, we weren't, yep. you know, making it all the way through. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember one of the races, I think it was St. Louis. I mean, that would have absolutely been my best result. And the bike blew up on like the last two corners of the race. Oh. And I can't remember, but it was, it was for like a, a sixth or a seventh, you know, right, realistically. Right. But, but yeah. Did you feel like, did you start, okay. Like you come in as a privateer, right? You, you get a couple races under your belt. You hurt your ankle. I think it was or something. Um, did you feel like, Oh, I can do this. Like I belong here. Like, yeah, I'm on Husqvarna and it's not going amazing, but I can figure this out. Were you, were you getting some confidence? Yeah, I had, I, I got broke a little bit. Um, I, I wanted to do a lot better than what I expected, especially because the year before I went to Husqvarna, I had ridden the, I think it was the KX 250 and I went to broom Okay, and I showed some, so, you know, I, I ran with some top guys and I actually remember, you know, I think that that race i think i did like a 14th and then my bike blow up the, the, the seized in the second moto or whatever mm-hmm. but i remember doing really well in the qualifier and just feeling like i could run with those guys 
Um, and then at Steel City, I, I don't remember results, but I know I rode really well and, and you know, earned the national number 73 from those two races. So I, I felt like I rode the bigger bikes better mm-hmm. uh, all the time, you know. But but um, after Husky, the, the whole year, same thing. I would have good heat races. I would get some press in the heat races and run with, the you know, the top guys, and then something would happen, and it just it kind of broke me a little bit. Yeah. I wanted to do it better than I did. Did you want to go back in 01, or did Araldo say, you're, we're not hiring you back in 01? No, I think it was mutual. Mutual? We were, we, were, we were ready to go our own ways. Yep. Um, but, you know, we like I said, we, we weren't on bad terms or anything. It was just time. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the next year you rode with Dowdy. I was uh, I worked for Kelly Smith at KTM in 00 and 01, um, and I don't remember – did, were you guys getting help from us at all? The factory guys, or you and Dowdy? I don't remember. We were getting, we were getting, um, we were getting semi support. I do believe Dowdy was getting some support, you know, personally on his, and and we were getting some support with the bikes. And we were getting some help from it. Was Sale was Sale? Yeah, uh, Sale, no, yeah, no, Salvaraj Narayana. But yeah, he was a real good dude. He was he was uh, kind of heading us up and helping us out here and there. And, uh, again, we, we, you know, I think Dowdy obviously much more than me, but he had a good year and, and, uh, I had some really good, you know, races on that bike and, and, and enjoyed that team. That was a good learning experience for me, especially with Dowd. He was old, nothing, nothing worked him up. Yeah. Mellow guy, you know, <laughs> right. he, he, he taught me a lot. He, he taught me a lot of patience. Did you know him before or how did that deal so, come together? Cernix and all, how did that work out that that came together because of manchester honda ah yeah yeah okay yeah manchester honda days and that came together from uh um well i think several guys northeast guys but i think um you know ultimately it got put together through you know dowdy and and um uh, i can't think of the guy's name right now it was a John, oh, it's right at the tip of my tongue, man. I yep. can't think of it. The, the, but, so that's how it all worked out. Um, yeah, yeah. They, we got me going, and I think they just basically wanted another bike under the tent and kind mm-hmm. of get rolling. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Um, did you ride a five twenty, a five forty? What, what? Which one did you? Five twenty. I started with, and yeah. then one one. Then I went to the five forty once that was available. The you know the kit for yeah, it or the whatever. Kit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's what I have in my garage, and that's the one bike I did keep because it's. See, my dad he likes to put his hat on backwards and go out and ride wheelies. So. <laughs> we, we keep that, you know? Nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Paul Carpenter on the uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast, presented by Renthal, Maxis, Cobalinks, and the mo- guys at motorsport.com, by the way. Um, so after that, so you ride you ride the Nationals with Dowdy, um, do pretty well. No rides again for you. White Brothers contacts you. You get a Honda uh, 450 to ride white, for the White Brother guys. How does that deal come about? How does a West Coast, you know, four-stroke national guy uh, get a hold of Paul Carpenter? <laughs> <laughs> beyond me man <laughs> I, I i really truly don't know but i know that i got a call from john anderson yeah and 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 he said he said hey man you interested in riding a four stroke if they're doing this four stroke dash and i was like uh you know in my mind i was thinking no yeah not you know i wanted i wanted to be in the national yeah for sure he's, he's telling me about this series and he's telling me about spud walters and you know you could you you could do well and then he basically made it – he kind of made it so I couldn't turn it down because he said, look, you can win this thing. It's incentive-based. We'll give you a small salary. You got to come over here. It's, you know, you you win this 
you know, bonus money and this and that. And you also will get to race the nationals. He, I think they promised me that year. I can't remember, but it was basically like 10, 10, uh, you know, pieces, six, six supercross maybe. And, and, uh, whatever they could make for outdoors. You know? right. So I said, well, well, I got to lose, man. I don't have a whole lot going right now. And I definitely wanted to get back on a big bike. I wanted to be on a four, you know, a, a, a two fifty, And, um, so that's where I went. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, so I did the East coast four stroke nationals with Kelly Smith in 00 and 01 and he won the East coast stuff and Spud was winning the West coast stuff. And I don't know about your deal, how it was structured, but dude, Kelly killed it But with KTM contingency and he had some stuff in his contracts and the purse money, like he won both years and he made a lot of money. Um, did you find it the same? I think that's where I made most of my money in my career right there. Yeah, Yeah. really. Right. It was, it was not, and let's face it, Paul, you were pretty good. So you weren't getting pushed to the limit to win i'm sure not at some races yeah we had uh we definitely had some good ones we had some of the best battles ever between like you know guy cooper at uh colorado there the thunder whatever uh, thunder valley, thunder valley. Yep. and uh and you know jason mccormick was riding and he had a few every time it rained i just dreaded it i was like oh my god <laughs> fast today you know yeah, yeah. so so it was we had some really good races but yeah that was a that was an awesome thing I'm, i i would that was one of my favorite times of my career because we went to the I mean, we went to a race in Eloy Arizona and I'm not kidding you dude it was I don't even know how we found the track it was like a dot in the desert <laughs> and uh, it, it was so dusty I remember like the freeway I was thinking the freeway was going to get shut down cuz we started the race you know it was yeah, just incredible yeah. man we went some places but, um, so it was good. Yeah, funny though. Like you look back and John calls you and you're like, ah, I don't want to do that or well, whatever. And then it turns out to be, you know, tons of money and really fun. It was great. It was, I, I, you know, younger guys coming up, I recommend them to open their, you know, their, their options up a little bit because some of the stuff you just don't think is there. I mean, that was, like I said, that was probably one of my funnest, funnest times. I mean, we had a good group of guys. We traveled all over. It was small. Um, Got to do a lot of cool stuff, man. Yeah, good. absolutely, right? And then, so, yeah, you got to do some nationals. You got to do a little bit of super, super crosses, right? Um, yep. Didn't you fill in for Ramsey as well at some point? I did, and that 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 happened because of White Brothers. Ramsey broke his leg or, uh, you know, femur or something, yep. and then, you know, Honda was still developing that four-stroke, and they said, hey, we need a guy that maybe ride this thing a little bit, do a little testing. So it started out as just at the Supercross track, testing the bike and yep. giving them some feedback and – and then it went into a few races with them. And, uh, you know, I had some really, I mean, I remember uh, a heat race in San Diego, just battling with Ezra Lusk and, and, you know, just pulling the whole shot and really riding really well. And I think I, you know, was I qualified right out of the heat race. And so that was back when they took four. Right. You know, so it was, it was, it was good for me. It was great. Um, were you a little uh, intimidated or were you a little like scared and you're like, oh shit, factory Honda? Or like, how did you, how did you approach that? Yeah, I was. Um, <laughs> I didn't know, you know, like we, we, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect, but the guys made me feel really comfortable. And, and, um, they, I had Bundy, you remember Bundy? Oh, how can I, how could you forget Bundy? <laughs> Bundy, dude, you, you, the, you, if you can't feel comfortable around that guy, you can't feel comfortable in life. He's, yeah. he's one of those really, you know, good dudes. And he, uh, he he made me feel very comfortable at the track and at the races and always was offering help. I had Alan Olson as a mechanic who has, you know, oodles of experience under his belt. And he was 
same thing. He's, these guys were, these guys were there. They, you know, nothing shook them. So they, between the two of them, they kept me pretty mellow and, and, you know, ready to go. Yeah. How awesome is Alan, right? Just a, a wealth of knowledge, man. Yeah. He, he was, he was, he was, he was an amazing man. He, we actually, I stayed, you know, some of my time out there, I actually stayed with Alan um, and we would go, you know, riding in the hills every day. And he just, he knew everybody. He knew every little trick, every little shortcut on a back road, you name it. He knew it. Uh, yeah, he, he did. I just saw him on the weekend of the world vets with, with Dubok, of course, sitting there with Dubok talking. These guys have yeah. probably been buddies for, you know, 40 years, right? Um, <laughs> I think longer than that. Yeah. yeah. John Anderson too. Great guy. White brothers was really cooking. They were doing the exhaust back then. I was working at yep. Yamaha. They were, they were supplying our exhaust. They were supplying factory honda exhaust and and yeah man wright brothers was rolling with john and everybody we were they then they they really had a good thing going absolutely um were you flying to the races or were you driving i was flying yeah i was flying from and we were you know i stayed out in california for a lot of it and then i'd come back home but the you know i was putting on quite a few miles for sure yeah absolutely um so yeah good time in your life making some money riding some nationals getting better and did you have – these are the early days of four-strokes, and I was around as a mechanic then, and I think Honda was a little better than us. But, man, some of those carburation issues on the on-offs and things like that, did it, Did you ever get any that bit you on those early four-strokes? Uh, I I didn't recall too much trouble. We, we, we really – they had the bike pretty good. I didn't have much trouble at all with it, especially when I started testing the factory bike. Um, that thing was pretty on point. I, I actually, I remember thinking, man, how am I ever going to ride a production bike after getting off of this? You yeah, know? really? Right. But, but, um, yeah, not, not too much on that. We, I had a hard time learning how to start the thing. And, and if I stalled it during a race, that would bother me, you know, yep. and even though the Honda started really well, I remember the Yamaha's, I'm sure you with the old decompression lever yeah. and all that. Those oh. things were a bear. They weren't easy. No, the bikes have come so far, you know, now they have EFI and, mapping and do they electric start yeah it, it's a lot lot easier that's for sure yeah absolutely yeah um so from there you get called for the factory cowie ride on a 250 right um yeah and that kind of i gotta remember i i if i remember right like that kind of came out of nowhere for a lot of us in the industry um i think they liked the fact that you tested honda and you rode the white brothers bikes and i think they wanted to shake that thing down it was a new bike um and you were perfect for it but how did that how did that come about I, th I think exactly like you said. I think basically, I, I don't really know how it come about, but I know that uh, I think that I was a good candidate for testing the four-stroke and the, with the experience that I had on them. Also, I was just good enough that I could have gotten them really good results. So I was that kind of mm -hmm. uh, you know on the edge where they they were like, hey, let's take a chance with this guy. We'll put him on a 250F and see what you know. Maybe he's going to get his res you know results, and if not, he's going to at least be able to help us develop our bike. This was and the think, this was the shared Suzuki thing, right? Around this time, I think. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was that time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and they they um I think more than anything that you know I was starting to get a reputation for being you know testing, and yeah, I yeah. think that kind of a workhorse just go out there and ride until i couldn't ride no more you know my legs would be given out my hands would be all blisters and i just keep on riding you know so that's what they, they they used me a lot for that that year and uh was it financially pretty good for you yeah oh yeah, yeah. i think all of them were i mean i never got big big money to, right. you know i think everybody knows that but the uh I had plenty to do with what I wanted to do. I was, kid, I was still, still a kid. You don't have a whole lot then. You're pretty much just taking your money and blowing it. And, you know, the uh, I did well. And I also, you know, I had a lot of fun out there. We've, you know, this, I, 
certain days, man, it was just, you know, wake yeah. up. And I remember thinking, man, I'm getting paid to go up here and ride this dirt bike today. You yeah. Know what I mean, so yeah. it was, it was good. You're like, I'm from, I'm from, uh, I'm from New York and here yeah, I am in some, from, you know, Ithaca. I grew up in Enfield, New York, which is, <laughs> right. you know, so it was small town, man. Real small. Uh, what was a young James Stewart like? Oh man. He was, uh, he was good. He was, <laughs> he was good. <laughs> he was good. Uh, it dude was wild. He was, um, he, I don't know, man. He was wild. He used to do stuff. I'd go to Florida and watch him ride at his practice track. And I was thinking, man, this ain't even, this shouldn't be right. This is impossible on a motorcycle, you know, but, and the kid was the James was a, he was a nice guy. He, he, you know, he's the kind of guy, like for instance, that bet at Washougal, he says to me, I didn't have a refrigerator at home. He said, yeah. So you go out there, you get a podium, I'll buy you a refrigerator. And, you know, he was, he was true to his word. The dude was, you know, he's a good, <laughs> yeah, well, he was, he was why, didn't, why didn't you have a refrigerator? What was the story behind I that? I don't know, man. It quit working. It was so cold. I just threw shit on the back step and let it, that's where I left. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, I remember that. That was funny. Cause he said on the podium, right? He said it on the yeah, podium. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He was good. Um, were you teaching him things off the track, Paul? Too like, hey, <laughs> hey, man, let's let's hang out. <laughs> yeah, we might have. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, how about he's on a 125, right, and he's winning and everything else, and, and then he ju- he gets on a 250F uh, at the final round and just smokes everybody, right? Just see you later. Yeah, he. Uh, I I I don't know why, but he was so comfortable on a 125. He just had it set that he that's what he was going to ride, you know, but. We had all seen him ride the 250F, and we knew he was. We we're like, man, hopefully he doesn't get on this thing because. <laughs> I almost wonder if like Big James was like, "Hey, it's a brand new bike. I'm not putting my kid on that thing." Uh, blah blah blah, and then Cowie was like, "Okay, we gotta hire someone to show Stu that the thing is good." You know, I almost wonder if that's how the genesis of your ride happened. Very well, could have been. Very well, could have been. I know it was Mark Johnson ran back then, and. And Mark, you know, he, he wanted to, he had the, the open car racing experience. So I think he had a different mentality with these things, you know, so maybe, maybe so. Yeah. Did you ever, what, what did, what did James do on the track that just made you shake your head and realize that he's a different human being? Was there a whoop section or some quad or something? I'll tell you what, it was, it was literally everything. So he would go through. No, I'm serious. Yeah, man. Yeah. You'd show up at the Cowie track, and it was just mind-boggling. He'd go around a corner. and I, There was a rut at, at one of our big sweepers at the yep. Cowie track. There was this big rut. And I remember it was, like, slippery, dusty, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and they watered it. It was like, man, the worst conditions ever. He hops on a KX-125. He just literally fires the thing up, goes out there, and holds it wide open for 20 laps. And I'm thinking, I, he was going around the corner so fast, I thought he was on, like, I, it looked like slot cars, you know. <laughs> and, and then he would he would wheelie into the whoops wide open. He would wheelie into the whoops, and I'm thinking, how does he set his front tire down without just endowing yeah. every car? Yeah. Uh, Sternstrom had a good story. Like when he was there, they were just like, they were complaining about the, the, the bike, you know, being slow or whatever through the whoops. And Sternstrom's like, you don't understand. Like you can't go any faster than what you're going through the whoops. Like you're going to die. Like you you have to hit your front wheel on every whoop. And like you're, you're, the kid is going, you know, fourth gear into the whoops wide open and probably pulling a wheelie. Like you said, 
Sturstrom was like, that's it, man. Like, we're, the bike can only go so much through those whoops for you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure he yanked the throttle cord right out of the carburetor a few times. I mean, he was he, he was aggressive for sure. Yeah. It would, it would have been a cool time to have been around him. He was also, like, more sociable back then, right? He's a kid. He was uh, funny. Like, yeah, he was – he kind of got – I think the fame and the money and maybe got, he burnt, got burned a few times here and there, you know, caused them to start with, with, withdrawing a little bit. But back when yeah, you were teammates I, with him, he was, yeah, he was great. Oh yeah. No, I think I could see that. Um, I never got to deal with that side of him. I got to deal with, you know, a really fun side. We go go-karting and, you know, we, we, we pretty much did everything we could uh, outside of the races just to have some fun, you know, and, and I got to, I got to, you know, a really good time in his career because he was on top. So he never had a bad day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, really? Right. <laughs> he never did. He, he never did. I don't ever remember the kid being down. He had a, he was, he was just, he was just on it constantly, constantly joking, man, messing with people. And uh, you know, that's, that's what made it fun to be around. And of course, I wasn't a top guy at that point. I mean, I was on a factory team, but boy, I was not getting the results. You know, I wasn't putting them in where I needed to be. So he, uh, he, you know, he, he still, he did, he still worked with me. You know, we, we were, I was, I was terrible at some of them races and he'd still work with me and him, his dad, even, you know, those guys were all behind us. So it was a, it was a good team. We had a, we had a good time. Were you happy with your riding and the bike and everything? How'd you feel? I, at Cowie, no. I no. think that at Cowie, I should have had some better results. I think I got hurt. I broke my navicular bone right before the start of the season. Okay. Um, and I got it pinned out in California. And I was literally wearing a bone stimulator to try to get ready. And I think I missed the first two two rounds or one round. I can't remember. But I came in at Minneapolis. And by no means was I healed. I was just too dumb and stubborn to tell him that I didn't really <laughs> couldn't really ride you know what i mean and um it i think that right off the bat that was like when sorby was on pro circuit 125 you know and um i just i couldn't perform man at the practice track i was flying and and we went there and i couldn't do it and after a few bad results it started getting in my head and then towards the end of the year i started getting the results that i wanted in supercross and uh you know almost won a race there but the but then the season ended and on we go yeah, and then it was on to outdoors, right? Um, on to outdoors. And outdoors, did, I definitely did not ride the best I could in outdoors. I mean, I went – I don't know. I, I really did. I tried everything that year. I trained my butt off, you know, and and I just couldn't put it together. A few races here and there, I, 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 w- I would get it, but I just couldn't get the starts that I wanted. I would, you know, crash, I'd get tangled up. It just yep. wasn't working for me, you know. And to be fair, I don't know if that bike was the greatest. You know, they were working on it still. Uh, overheating right, overheating right. problems. Every time you added compression to it, it blew up, you know. yeah, We, it, we did yeah. We did have that. We had some We had some weird stuff happen. We had, a you know, a tranny lock up and just cartwheel me. You know, different things yep. happened for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, the next year, uh, you're a pro circuit or are you back there? Where, pro circuit yeah pro circuit pro, well that that was an interesting one because yeah they i actually was going to be canned i wasn't going to be anywhere but they had put in the contract that if i had finished top five in supercross i was able to keep my deal okay and i did if you recall i think i got fourth in east coast overall oh i didn't know okay yeah yeah so yeah so they so they they didn't really want to keep me but they didn't <laughs> they, they they didn't they couldn't get rid of me so they had to so they so Mitch was, uh, you know, doing the 250 team, and they're like, "Look, all right, we're done. We're done with this test dummy. We're gonna take you. Got to take him, Mitch." And I think Mitch was like, "Bull bullshit, man! Yeah. I don't really need this guy right now." But 
we went over there and uh, that's how I ended at PC. Um, was the bike any better or was it the, you know, like did Mitch be able to do some stuff the factory guys couldn't? I, I honestly think that the bikes were different. Um, I wouldn't say like, you know, honestly, I think that bones, you know, he was our suspension guy at the time. And I remember thinking, man, this is like the best suspended. I mean, this thing was yeah. really handled really well. It was really nice power wise. I don't think Mitch got that till the next couple of years when yeah. he started really generating the big, big power out yeah. of him. Yeah, it but seemed like it seemed like for a while there, Mitch could grab Gosler or Sorby or Matt Walker and instantly get results with his bike. You know? Yes, yes, I agree. And that was all the years after me. You know right, what I mean? Right, and I right. think he really developed it. He worked hard. I will tell you that. That them guys worked really hard on that bike, and the bike was good. Don't get me wrong; it was really good. But it was—I don't know if as if it was a whole lot better or worse than the the factory bike. You know what I mean? The bummer deal for you was you lost your gear money, right? I did lose my gear money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you're like, hey. And also, <laughs> there's a lot of stories. Like, and I like Mitch. I uh, get along with him well. But there's a, certainly a lot of stories that if you're not one of his guys. Uh, March Banks a few years ago, you know, uh, he was an up-and-coming amateur, and, and Cowie yep. just put him on the team. If you're not one of his guys, Mitch kind of doesn't, you know, I don't know, he just lets you do your thing and, like, whatever. Did you I, did you experience that? I feel like I did, yeah. yeah. I feel like I definitely did. And we had, you know, Ivan was winning everything at the time, and he had Langston winning on the other coast and um, everything. We had, a, we had a big team that year. I mean, we had Villapoto come in at the end of the year. We had – a lot of good guys. I mean, you're talking all champions on that team. And then you got me running around and anywhere from 10th to 15th. And it just wasn't flying for Mitch. Right, you know what right. I mean? Um, your buddies with hot sauce, is this when you first meet them or do you know them from way back? No, I mean, I crossed paths with them. Them guys had come up here in New York. It, it was, it was like a whole crew of them. It was uh buckaloo and, yeah. and, uh, Keith Johnson and Ryan Clark and all as they were traveling, you know, traveling circus basically yep. in, a, in a van, you know, they came up and stayed here with me a little bit and practiced with me in New York. And, um, that's kind of where I first met him. But as far as being friends and yeah. getting to be good friends with them, that was all through, you know, once we got with Cowie and pro circus. Yeah. And yeah, wasn't there like, there was always that money race at frozen ocean, right? Right around the end of the national. Oh, it was right? always the money race. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was, that was, that was my pride and joy. I do good there. <laughs> um, so you, yeah. So this is when you meet hot sauce and kind of becomes buddies with him at some point, right? Yeah. Now, I think we basically, the year of Cowie, when we, when I, when I went on factory Cowie, he was you know we were testing and, and all that stuff he was already i do correct me if i'm wrong he was already on pro circuit or no he was on a 125 maybe or something uh he was on yamaha troy at in yamaha 04, troy yeah oh four i think yeah oh four yeah it was right around then it was i i got to i was kind of hanging out with him quite a bit at that point so. now i don't know you real well we've had conversations here and there um you know you're a good dude but one of the things about you paul that i've heard and you can confirm or deny this you know it's it's 2021 nobody cares anymore was you went pretty hard off the track there's a lot oh, of, yeah I, are you, do you do you confirm or deny that oh no i mean definitely <laughs> okay yeah no that's a, that was part that was part of the racing back then yeah it was it was it was carmichael that messed it all up with his training <laughs> stuff so well the point because i there's a lot of carpenter stories out there right like i mean there <laughs> is uh over the years but i'm just wondering so circling back though but you were also a hard trainer like there was no doubt n- uh, nobody ever said like oh carpenter's not in shape there, you know it seemed no, like no def- definitely I, de- I i i would literally put eight hours a day in whether it be waking up and riding bicycle yeah. training at the gym riding the dirt bike no there was no doubt that I did that. Yeah, so it seemed like you went hard on and off the track, right? You did all the work, but then you, you enjoyed yourself also. 
But I guess the, I think I, I think I had to, or I would have went crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the point I, the, the the point I'm getting to is: Do you think that that cost you at all, or hurt you in your career, either by reputation or you know, or not? I don't know, just not you know, going to bed at nine o'clock at night or eight o'clock at night, you know, like Brayton, like Brayton. Brayton there's a lot of Brayton stories about how even when, <laughs> even when JB was you know at MDK or whatever, he'd be in bed by eight p.m. you know, and not doing anything. So. You know. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't think it, none of this stuff was before the races. I mean, maybe, yeah, yeah. you know, so I don't know. Um, I wouldn't think so. I think everybody was, whether they wanted it or not, it just came down to results. I mean, I think guys were, you know, there, I had a lot, I had a lot of good guys right by my side at that. You know, when I was, <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, you had a lot of them there. Yeah, <laughs> so, it wasn't like you were the only guy out. That's for right. Sure. No, yeah, yeah, no. I, I definitely didn't make it back every night by myself. No, so. no. Um, yeah, I just, I just know, like, you know, there's a lot of, like, yeah, like, oh, Polly did this, and then Carpenter did this, and then we went here, and we did that. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, no. You got to keep them guessing, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, uh, the year with Mitch ends, and then I think you go to Motorsport, Honda, right? Yeah, Motorsport the next year, yeah. And is that because Mark is there, Mark Johnson's there? I do believe so, yeah. 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 I think Mark brought it back. And, uh, and I, got, I had a great relationship with Mark. I think he's seen that I was putting a lot of effort in at Cowie. And, um, you know, when he, when he went somewhere else, I think he realized, you know, Hey, give it, give this guy another shot. And, mm-hmm. uh, we actually had some, we had some great results that year. And that was a, that was an excellent bike. Um, yeah, you, yeah, that was, it was good. Yeah. Was it Mitch bike or what was it? Was it pro circuit? No, man, I can't, you know what? It might've been a pro yeah, circuit yeah. motor, but they, but the bike was good. It wasn't, it wasn't the fastest bike on the, on the track, but boy, it was an excellent machine, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and Mark had a, he ran a tight ship. We, the, the team itself had, you know, we had good mechanics. We had good, we had a good group of guys and everybody got along and, and things were flowing, you know, we were doing, we were doing pretty good. Yeah. I heard Mark was, was a little bit hard on his crew, you know, like really, really not hard, I guess, but ran, ran tight. Like you said, ran a tight ship. Yeah. He did. He did. But I'll tell you, he was also the same guy that at the end of the night, even when it was just a total washout shit night, uh-huh. he would come back and he'd say, everybody, all right, let's have a team meeting. We all go on the truck and we were all dreading what he was going to say, you know, and at the end of the day, everybody walked out with their heads up because he knew he knew enough to kind of scold us all mm-hmm. and also tell us, hey, you know, we, we can do better. We're going to pick our heads up. We're going to do this. You know, we're going to we're going to get better. So now here's what we got to do. You know, yeah. and I think everybody I think most people respected him for that. I know a few people that, you know, that thought it was, you know, he didn't have the right way. But I don't know. I got along good with the guy still still would to this day. I mean, he's he yeah. never he never bothered me. You know what I mean? You know, what? looking at your career, you rode 450 Supercross, 450 Nationals. You rode 250 Supercross, 250 Nationals. You rode two strokes. You rode four strokes. You really bounced all over the place, like with sizes yeah. and classes. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I never really found a consistent, consistent home. No. Um, I think I think one of the ones that was, you know, in the end of my career when I found uh, Whitley's there yep. with, with Fernix and all that, that, that I would have liked to have been my long-term home. I mean, he – I had actually moved to Texas, built a track down there. We were living at the, you know, Whitley's compound. And, um, that was, that was my place. I wish that, uh, you know, for, for everybody's sake that I wish that we could have drummed together some more sponsor money. Cause yeah. I feel like we might've had a couple more years than that. Thanks for listening to the fly racing racer X podcast with Polly Carpenter. Again, thank you to Renthal and Maxis. And of course the folks at fly racing, flyracing.com. Also thanks to motorsport. OEM on aftermarket parts, anything uh, over 79 bucks is free shipping. They've got a dedicated team of gearheads there to check it out. They have a whole section 
for our sponsors at Pulp MX. So if you go to the motorsport.com banner on pulpamex.com or pulpamexshow.com and click on that, it takes you to some of our sponsor deals on there. And uh, great prices, great customer service, timely shipping, all of that stuff at motorsport.com. Thanks to those guys for coming on board. And Koba Links from lowering suspension links from everything from Apulia to Yamaha. They've been in business for a long time. The code PULPAMEX gets you free shipping and a savings. Kobolinks, K-O-U-B-A, links.com. If you're a shorter person, if your uh, wife or and or girlfriend have a bike and they want to get a bit more confidence, they want to turn the thing better, they want to have better suspension working for their height, please check out Kobolinks, man. It's a lowering suspension link for everything from Aprilia to Yamaha, Kobolinks.com. Thanks to those guys. You can get that at Motorsport also. Uh, all right, on to the show with Polly Carpenter. So which... Which class, which bike did you feel the most comfortable? I'm guessing a 450 outdoors. Always the 450. Yeah, and you know, yeah. that's that's that goes back to the beginning of our conversation yep. where I felt like I was just getting good in the Supercross. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I was coming into my own until in Supercross until about the 2007, 2008, 9 season. That's when I felt like I was actually riding a lot better. And I, I did have much better results uh, in 450. And also, I, I, you know, I had bad results, but I also had much better, more consistent results. Yeah, you look at your 07. So 07, you move on, like you said, Cernex, Billy Whitley, Cowie team. Um, yeah, you got so many top 10s in 450 Supercross. You know what I mean? Like, you're really doing well. And then you're going to Canadian Nationals in the summer. Now, right. did the team do all the Supercross and then Canadian Nationals? Was that the deal from the outset? Uh, yeah, we did. In 07, we did do all of Supercross. I think we yeah. I'd have missed. Uh, I can't remember. I think we did do them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like it. Um, yeah. And then, and then, so when they told you we're going to Canada for the nationals, uh, obviously you signed up and you agreed to it. But were you cool with that? Were you thinking no problem? I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Well, hell, I mean, I'd already ridden four stroke nationals. I was thinking, <laughs> what, what could get worse than Eloy, Arizona? I mean, let's go. Yeah, let's do it, right? So, <laughs> and this is again, I'm Canadian, so I went up to a couple of these races this year, and and uh, and you ended up winning the title. And then, I mean, how was that as far as the ser- Let's talk about the series in general. Like, what did you think? How, what did you expect? How did it? How did that fulfill your uh, expectations or not fulfill your expectations? Well, actually, I, I didn't know what to expect. I knew guys like Nick Wade had been up there for a race or two yep. here and there. And uh, I didn't know a lot about it. I really, and I, you know, I didn't, I didn't do a lot of research on it. Billy said, look, this is what we're going to do. Here's mm-hmm. what I can pay. We'll get to do Supercross. And that's all I heard. <laughs> uh, you know? And I'm like, all right, so good. Yeah, yeah. Where, where do I sign? And then I said, oh, shit, we got to go to Canada? I forgot right. about that. Oops. Um, but, we, but we went up there. And uh, I was a few things that I, that I remember very distinctly. Um, fans won, man. They they got behind us rather quick. We had some good fan base up there, and um, also I would remember being surprised at how good the competition was. Uh, a lot of the there wasn't as many big teams, but I was you know impressed with the bigger teams that were there. That they were very professional, um, and I remember for one the, the beauty of the country. It's, yeah, it's incredible, man. It's it's clean. It's incredible up there. Um, great people. We never had a bad. We we didn't have a, a bad apple in the bunch the whole time I was there. And uh, the tracks were good. I don't remember having any any issues with any of the tracks. I mean, things were things yeah. were really awesome. That's why I kind of wanted to go. You know, I signed up to go back. You know. Um. Yeah. So was your teammate Clot Dusty Clot? Was your teammate? 
No, that was the year. No, my my first year was uh, Jeff Gibson. Oh, okay, Gibson. All right, Jeff, yeah. Yep, Gibson. So then it was the next year. No, then the next, the next year was that Team Atomic when I went out on my the privateer thing. Oh, and then you went back the year after that. Back the year That's after. It. Yeah, yeah, with, yep. with Clap. Back the year after. Um, yep. So, uh, Canadian Nationals, you, I think it was this year that you won. Maybe it's 09, but I went up to the Morden race where it was muddy, and you guys did one moto. And Yeah, that was 07. That was 07. And I've used this example a few times because I've never seen it done before or since. Your team had you pull in. Some brave soul popped the radiator cap in a massive mutter. The, the cap went... <laughs> 80 feet in the air and was gone, but they refilled your radiators, put a new cap on, and you took off. And, like, yeah, it's kind of sketchy popping a radiator cap when it's 8,000 degrees, but, like, that was a great idea. That saved the race, in a sense. You know, heat is what causes problems. Yes. That that place is – I remember that race, and I remember it just being, like, glue. Glue. You couldn't yeah. even the, – the the mud was so deep, you couldn't even get your bike to move, and it was uh, – it was – but yeah, Chris uh, Chris Road was my mechanic, and he was uh, he he was a brave soul. I think he just he, he was he's probably so pissed that for whatever reason he probably just tries to rip the radiator off. Yeah, <laughs> I just I remember thinking like, wow, I've never seen that. Like that's you know that's a that's a smart move. By the way, Carpenter, I think you guys were pussies. You should have done the second moto. I still uh, I, you know what? I still hey. believe that. I would have done it. I would have done it. I I just would. I stood there just like everybody else and yep. said whatever, whatever you guys want to do. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. So. yeah. I th- I thought it was like I'm like, hey, these guys are pros. This this is shitty. This is muddy. I get it. But you know, you the rain has stopped and like let's let's run a moto. But yeah, it was a whole thing. It was a big deal for the series back then. I I think the second moto would have been better than the first. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, it was it already quit. You know. So um, so you win the championship. Were you pretty stoked? Pretty happy on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was really happy about that. That was, that was kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity as well, you know. Right. So yeah, it was it was that was a good deal. Um, did you make any money doing that with the Canadian stuff? Was it yeah, bonuses? Did, yeah, yeah, the bonuses were good. I mean, I I don't remember the exact deal, but I did have a per race bonus, which wasn't huge, huge. Um, but I did have an overall championship, which was pretty decent. And um, you know, we and also you were you know. You also were getting your purse money and, yeah. and everything yeah. else, plus all your expenses paid. So we were doing just fine. Nobody right. was hurting for money at that point. You uh, know what I mean? Whitley's a good dude, huh? Like a good guy. Oh, yeah, I always yes, liked him. Right? Yeah, he's a good. He's a, he's just a he's just a good old boy that was you know he's out looking out for everybody that he can. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you enjoyed your time there. So how did the Atomic Twenty Two thing come about? Because I got to be honest, Carpenter, I don't, I don't. I remember you didn't go back from Can- after Canada after winning which was weird because I figured, you know, somebody would want to pay you a lot of money to go defend your title. But right. how did it come together, the 08 Atomic 22? I don't remember anything about this. Well, it was um, it was a guy, it was a private guy from Buffalo, New York, who had a um, uh, demolition company, a great big giant demolition company, the kind that do like Yankee Stadium and stuff like that. And he had been watching local races and okay. all, all my all the local New Yorker guys were like, Hey man, you need to, you need to start a team, get this guy, get this guy mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll do our own team. It's going to be great. You know? And, uh, for the most part it was, we, we went out, uh, the, the guy, uh, his name was Patrick Callahan, which he's actually since passed away. So, um, you know, yeah. bless his family on that. But he, uh, he was a, he was a, you know, an entrepreneur. So just he, like a, a rich super fan. 
just a rich. It was a, you got it, man. He was into it. Um, wow. And uh, he he you know we bought a truck. We bought like yeah. a straight truck and the whole nine. So. Do you uh, did you know him before or not at all? Like no no nothing. no I I totally wasn't going to go this route and uh, I just had a few good friends that I had known who yep. had known him for quite some time. And they all, you know, they all stood by him and said, "Yeah, hey, this guy's a good dude. If he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it." And he 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 came up and said, "Look, I'll I'll pay for the, all these all these parts. I'll give you X amount in budget. We'll do this, and and you you can have you know whatever the salary was, and uh, you know basically here you go. Yeah, you, you got to make this happen. So, and at the time." Why I don't know, but at the time I was thinking, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Was Billy um, pit? Billy was probably was pissed, right? I think I don't. You know, we we were buddies. Like yep. I think we were more than buddies just on the dirt bike scene. So mm-hmm. I think that he probably was pissed. Yeah, I think he was pissed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, um, not enough to not talk to me, but he was pissed. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. So did did the like okay? So like a rich super fan starting a team. Uh, that has happened, you know, uh, eight, eight million times in our sport, and like most times, it just fails and ends up in a cluster of shit by the end of the year. And it, but you're saying this was solid. This was good. The guy did exactly what he said he was going to do. He did for he did for that year. Yeah. He made it through almost all the way through. He did. Um, I got to give him that. He stuck with everybody right to the bitter end, as far as all that stuff goes. Um, I think that the biggest problem at that point is you really got to have. It's hard. You got oh, yeah. to have guys that just have, you know, everything set and ready for you. And it, it, it wasn't, um, we were, we weren't as organized as we should, but we did have good guys. We had Steve Westfall, who's now what factory. Yeah. What, uh, what rock, are, rock star Husky. Yeah. Rock star Husky. I mean, that's where Steve first was a first, you know, his first, not his first mechanic. Cause he had worked some privateer stuff, but I mean, that was his first real gig right. uh, with, with us there. And, you know, we had good people. Obviously, we had good people. We just couldn't, you know, it's tough to compete with that and book all your flights and get your shit organized where one guy's coming in. The mechanics lived on the road. You know, they're building bikes on Thursday. We didn't have the parts over there with one day air and stuff. It just got really, really hectic for everybody to kind of make it all work together where before I didn't have to worry about any of that shit. That was all on, you know, we had a lot, not a lot of it was on me to make all that happen. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Um, And also, too, one of your mechanics early on was Josh Wisner, who, you know, went on to become factory Honda's 250 guy. I don't know if he was your mechanic, but he was on Cernix anyways. Um, he was on Cernix. That yeah. was Bobby Canari's mechanic. Josh. Yeah, so Josh, yeah. that was one of his first gigs, and he really rose up and was crew chief at Geico Honda for a while. And went yeah. over to we had Honda. Brian Krantz on one of our one of our teams too. As Did well. you? So, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, Krantz. Yeah. Wow, I, I didn't know that for for motorsport. He was yeah. Danny Smith's guy. Oh, yeah. I didn't know so. that. Okay, so yeah, there, there you go. Um, yeah, we worked with a lot of good dudes. So by the end, this guy was probably hoping to get a big sponsor, and it didn't happen. And by the end, he was bleeding money, and he was like, "Oh God, uh, what have I done?" <laughs> I abs- I absolutely think you nailed it. Yeah, yeah, I think it was like, hey, this isn't as cool as I thought. This cost me a million and a half dollars. Yeah, you know what I mean, we're not here. So yeah, um, we did have a cool truck. We had a cool. We had a good team. We had a good group of guys. We had a you know yeah. we, we were set up looking good and everything, but financially, definitely no return. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, tough, man, for sure. So back to Billy Whitley's for the last year of your career. Correct. Yeah. Back to Whitley's. Yeah, yep. and uh, and you did the Canadian stuff then. What? Yeah, we did all but the last round. I actually hurt my wrist right at right before the last round, which I think at that point it was it would have took something for me to win it because I was second or third. Was that Fasciati, I think? 
Fasciati yeah, won it that won it. year. Yep. I was, if I recall, I was almost 50 points down. So I pretty much would have had to win every moto yep. and have him have a trouble. Yep. Um, but then I, I, I was practicing before the last, uh, the last day had two rounds left. We had Sandalee and Walton. And um, I tweaked my already the wrist that had been pinned, and I wasn't able to finish the last two rounds. Right, right. Uh, Paul Carpenter on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, and then like you said at the beginning of the pod, then after that it was you. Uh, you that was it. Waiting for a ride, but no, no chance. So yeah, yeah. We ta- I talked with uh, with with what was now Smart Smart Top, yep. old, the Honda team. And, well, I can't remember with Moto Concepts. Yep. Moto Concepts. I had talked with them a little bit about you know going on that next year. And I just realized that at that point that I wasn't going to get the salary that I felt like maybe I should get. And I didn't have – Billy wasn't 100% locked in on all his stuff. And we were really – I really wanted to stay with him. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I just said, you know what? The hell with it, man. It's time to go get a job. And that's when I – yeah, that's when I literally just turned the phone off and went to work. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have that – did you kind of have that um... – that offer for the city in your back pocket? Like, did you kind of know that was an option? No, not oh, okay. at all. I spent, yeah. no, I, I, I actually raced two races at the end of the year. I went to uh, local races up here. I think the last race I ever did was in miles mountain, Pennsylvania. And it, a kid, I just didn't have it in me anymore. I was over it. Yep. This kid, uh, Dale Spangler, I think is his name. The kid, the kid, put it to me no last, Spang- you know. spangler is way too old by this point he used to race so no, there's a kid there's got to be a kid named spangler oh really okay all right is there is there another kid from pa named spangler that pins uh, it probably forget yeah i think it sounds like there yes there is but i don't think it's dale but yes well, anyways he yeah. was a young kid and he put it to me at the time and i was just <laughs> like you know what dude <laughs> I'm You're like I'm done. <laughs> um, I loaded up my bike. I, I drove it home, packed it all up, and sent it back to Billy and called it a day. Called it a day. I like it. I like it. Uh, a few more things before we let you go here. Um, broom or Unadilla? Which one? Which, which, which all day long broom? Really? God, the I rocks. What about broom, the yeah. rocks broom? What about the rocks, Paul? Oh man, I don't care about that, dude. I I loved that place. I liked the jumps. I liked yeah, the yeah. difference in terrain. I love that place. It was it good. Had good dirt. I had really good dirt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unadilla for me, man. I never could do good. I kept. I'd slide out every nine times out of ten. I'd crash at Unadilla. Right. I uh, when I worked for Red Dog, he was always good at broom, so I made me like broom. But then my bike was fucking hammered after the race. <laughs> You know, well, you had two strokes, the pipes were smashed. Oh, right dude, forks, pipes, everything, just sand, just rock, <laughs> block blasted. So, exactly. um, okay, so favorite, favorite race bike of yours? The favorite bike I ever had, I would go with. That's a tough one. I think. I think honestly, the the little bit of factory Honda time yeah. I got that bike was amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty tough to beat that, right? <laughs> exactly. It, honestly, it was amazing. You know, that was that was an incredible opportunity and an incredible bike. Uh, what's the latest you've stayed out with and still gone riding the next day? Oh God, dude! Probably straight. Probably straight from sunrise <laughs> right on the bike. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I just. Tedesco used to say, "If I had my shades on, we knew we, we knew we had a night." Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good that's a that's a really good tell right there, right? <laughs> right, right. Um, so. Your best race of your career was there a race that stands out? Obviously, you got that third at Washougal, but you've got so many top tens. You won Canadian Nationals, uh, four stroke races. Oh, like, is there a one or yeah. two that stand out? Mm. 
The one that one that still bothers me is the one where Hanson beat me at Indy at the, 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 the I got second. In yeah, the, when, when James crashed there. out. When James crashed out. Yeah, yeah, James was crashed out. It was open for anybody to win, and I had led the race. Then I spun out in the whoops, and then I tried to catch back up again, and it just that one haunts me. So, um, yeah, you know, I think those two. There was two in a row. It was St. Louis, uh, or it was Indianapolis second, St. Louis third, and. Mm-hmm. That's when I started getting my mojo a little bit in the Supercross, you know. So I think I think that was those stand out. But Washougal definitely stands out because I led a lot of that race yeah. for a long time, and that that felt really good, you know. Funny how like guys like you don't think of the successes; you think of the almost or the failures, like you know, like the ones that got away, right? That's what you think of most, <laughs> right? Where you're yeah. like, God well, damn. Actually, uh, I, my last lap at Walton in 2007 too. I really enjoyed that one. That was. And then I did a goon jump, and of course, that's the picture everybody posts, you know? So, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, well, that leads to my next question. Favorite Canadian national track? Oh, man, I definitely would go with Gopher Dunes. The sand one, really? Yeah? Yeah, because you know what? I hated sand. i terrible at Southwick. Gopher Dunes is not like Southwick. No, it's like no. real natural deep sand. There's no, There's not a hard spot in that track. And uh, I loved it. I loved how it's just like one big rhythm section. You just kind of double, triple, double, triple. You kind of get your rhythm and roll through it. Right. So. Okay, next question for you. Best New York racer ever. And I don't know. Does, oh. Bar- does Barsha count? I don't know. He was barely there, right? But maybe. He was barely there. But if he counts, I'll give it to him because he's definitely done more than all the rest of us. I don't know. J- Jimmy Weinert was before my time. Yeah, but he was. Yeah, he was uh, great. Right. Sheik's Sheik's on my radar. He did win a race, mm-hmm. so he might have won more than one race. Yeah. But he, I remember he won uh, Florida. What was it? Uh, uh, Ocala? No, it wasn't Ocala. It was uh, what's the one the Minios is at? Uh, Gainesville. Gainesville. He won Gainesville. I remember that. Um, so okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'm. I would say I'm. I'd say I'm top. Three, four? I would think so. Canadian national champion, podium podium national guy. Yeah, you're up there. You're definitely better than if Phil. You, no. If there's a category for most random New York guy, I definitely would win that. <laughs> guy who did the best who nobody thought would do anything. Paul Carpenter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, uh, what about Carlo Cohen? Any votes for Carlo Cohen? Oh, legend. Carlo Cohen. Again, he was kind of yeah, before my time. way before your time. I remember racing with him. Really? He was a, he was a, yeah, I remember racing with him down at uh, – Walton, or yeah, Walton, yeah. down in, in, in southern, you know, New York. Right, right. So Carlo Cohen was still racing. Wow, Jesus. Yeah, yeah he was up there. Uh, well, cool, man. Thanks for doing this, Paulie. I really appreciate it. I'm glad we could finally connect and, and let all the fans know what you're up to and what you're doing. Absolutely. It sounds, it sounds like you're doing great, man. And, uh, you know, it's, it's it, a lot of motocrossers struggle after they hang it up and maybe they get bitter or maybe they you know they don't know what to do next or what and that sounds like you have none of that uh none of those issues you know yeah no i no i did for a little bit but yeah. we're good now i mean we're yeah no i'm i'm well you know two kids family businesses and stuff it's it's been uh i couldn't ask for any more man i had a wonderful career i got to see all over the world i got to do a lot of cool things and and now i'm on to that next stage which is almost as you know it's yeah. equal it's equally rewarding but in different ways you know yeah that's cool man no that's great like i said a lot of guys you know yeah they don't they don't know what to do and, and it sounds like you're doing great if you ever need a pass to a race a dilla or a supercross hit me up I'll, I'll you and your family i'll get you passes you know if you want to come right on man i would appreciate that walk yeah. the pits or something you got my number now so uh thanks for the time appreciate it paulie thank thank you steve i appreciate it you guys have a good night see ya thanks bye
thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, like beating a dead horse, I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My my ego got in the way, you know. The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could you sit there, you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey, 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 hey,